ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, Terra Master, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. GPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV dampener with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Hey everybody, we have a special, special day. Uh, Daytona is a special event and I couldn't pick a better guy to give me a breakdown on how Daytona goes. Um, Chad Weenan, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm good, Leonard. How about you? I'm great. Hey, I was just telling you before we got, before we clicked record that I got to see a little bit on racer TV of the race. And, um, one of the things I did miss was I missed the start. Um, so a little later in our conversation, I want to get to the, the start. Um, but first I want to get your take on Daytona and what the atmosphere is like when you go there, man. Um, I think we, this is our, I think it was our eighth time going, I believe. And like every year, like it's kind of like the buildup, like I would kind of like, I'm sure for NASCAR, like the Daytona 500, how they kick off their season there and like the buildup and uh, what everybody's been working on and new, new things to their machine. So it's a lot of like unknowns going into the season and don't know if somebody's going to break out or if things are going to be the same old, same old, but man, uh, just going into it, like all the work and prep going into it and then having an iconic track like Daytona is, uh, is really cool. Uh, but also like very stressful because it's, uh, out of the norm of our racetracks that we usually race on and anything can happen. And, uh, it goes to show that, uh, how hard it is to like put it all together for this week, just this one, one race day. But like, honestly, like people come from all over the place to come watch this race or be a part of it. And none of the setup that you had for Daytona works anywhere else, does it? No, like it's actually very tuned just for that. And it's, it's, it's just a one-off race that every year is, uh, we've been kicking off our season and it, it actually, it's like, you put a lot of, you put a lot of your off season into that one race and then you're like, all right, 
I got to start prepare for outdoor motocross. <laughs> that, that's that, that's a tough that's a tough bill right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like going in there, I'm ready for outdoor motocross, but also you're just riding your machine that's kind of set up for a tighter track. Did you know that it was going to rain? Like we had uh, like idea like weather forecasts and stuff like that, but we honestly I didn't know it was, it was going to rain the night before. And I think that was the one that like it threw, I think it threw a lot of people off Uh real, real crazy story today. I, um, the, one of the head guys at Daytona, he was up in like the, the box. Uh, it's like not, it's on the infield side and he, he's like the supervisor up there and he stopped by my house today. Like he stops by all the time. If I'm out washing my machine and he'll say, Hey, he's like, you know, good luck. And, uh, he came by, he's like, man, like you rode an awesome race. So tight out there, no passing. He's like, believe it or not the night before, uh, one of the guys forgot to open up the drains for the track. And that's why I was flooded. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, there's no way he's like, yeah. Like, uh, between me and you, like that was that, but honestly, like, I think the track took on a lot of rain anyways. I don't know if the drains, like, you know, they make the, how they make Daytona. They actually like dig into the ground in some spots. Like it really didn't matter. The drains were open in some of the spots, but it, it might not have hurt. It might've helped in a few spots because they did shorten the course. Didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. The, the rain that came about midday was like a dagger in the track. Like the track was actually, it was like, it it wasn't like a mudder race, you know, when we were on out there for our heat races, it was actually like, like the dirt was soft, but it wasn't like mudding around. Like we were going pretty good. But once that came, like it, it flooded like the low lines again and standing water everywhere. And they had to cut part of that, that track out just so we weren't basically like some submerging our machines every lap. Wow. Wow. That's, yeah. that, that's horrible. You know, I, I got to see a little bit of the WMX as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I had a phone call and I, and I missed the pro-am. Um, and I didn't get to watch those guys at all, unfortunately, but it, it, it oh. seemed a little short and I didn't get to see any of the qualifying and it was the qualifying the day before or was it earlier? It was early in the day. Like we did time qualifying. Uh, we started like it was about an hour and a half delay. So I think we were on track around like I would say close to nine o'clock. We started our time qualifying, which are like yes, it was soft, but it was like actually decent, like bet way better than what we thought it was gonna be for when we woke up that morning and we did track walk. Like there was standing water in several places on the track. And, um, uh, like we got out there, I waited a little bit. Like I only put in about five laps of time qualifying just to basically not go out there and put my machine through any sort of extra abuse, but, uh, got some good laps in there. And then the second time qualifier was, um, I think it was around like 11, uh, 10, 30, 11 or something like that. And like, we were actually able like to ride the track pretty good then. 
and put in some good, good laps. I put in like, like two good laps, held the top qualifier for, I would say well over three quarters of the, the time qualifier. And I was just kind of cruising around waiting to see if anybody topped it and came around the last lap and I was still up front and Joel put in a heater that last lap and he took it by like, I don't know. It was like hundreds of a thousand of a second or something like that. And, and the time qualifying at that race set you up where in the heat race. So that put you in like, uh, basically split. Like it goes like first, like first time qualifier went to second heat race, second time qualifier, third time qualifier went to the first one. So it kind of like went back and forth like that all the way through the, the field. So in the first heat race, I was, I was in the first heat, which we took off and I got the whole shot there, let it from start to finish at the very end of that time qualifier it started to rain. So, and I get back to the, I get back to our garage and I'm all good. And here goes the second time qualifier and it's raining. So it was the, the conditions were starting to go away. Like, as that race went on. So do you think they had a better idea what the track was going to be for the main event? I mean, I, I, I'm certainly like they could have, but I don't know if it was to that extent, like as they were racing, like um, it really like started downpour after their race was done. And how long did that last? Um, I would probably say it was a good, like 20, 25 minutes. Oh. Like, yeah. It, it was like a steady rain, like a soft rain. And then all of a sudden it just like let loose for about, I don't know, probably five minutes and then just kind of sputtered away from there. But the damage was done. Um, I went out and, uh, looked at the, watched the pro sport CQ. I don't know if you see any photos from that, but there's guys like bonsaiing through this like wet section, huge. It looked like a lake, oh. and they are bought. They are their water's going up over the front of their machines, or like submerging their machines. This one photo it looks like there's like four machines sitting there, stopped, suck water. Oh, and then after that, and after that race, they cut the track, like. They just, they just sent them through that. And then they're like, uh, that wasn't a good idea. So we're going to change the track now. After they already ruined those engines. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, And that's what I was thinking when I was sitting there watching them, like, like this is the perfect way for people to start their season off like big budget loss right there. Yeah. Fresh motor, not fresh motor. (laughs) No, no. So I feel bad for those guys, but man, uh, you know, it was a tough card for those guys to prep the track. Um, I honestly think that even if it was dry, the track really wouldn't have been a very good racetrack. Like I, probably one of the poorest ones that they've had there. Not, not trying to knock anybody, but the, I don't know. They just didn't put together. Like you can kind of see in the videos, like there was maybe three jumps on the track that were very small, like mild jumps. Yeah. Didn't they usually have a rhythm section that was really technical? Yeah. Yeah. Usually they had like some rhythms and stuff like that, that were like the vintage guys could roll them, but we could actually jump through them, you know, like 
but they really didn't bring any of that this year. Did anybody ask why? Um, I don't know if we did or not because of like, we didn't know what the track was going to be like. Cause it sometimes like they change the track from the amateurs, uh, like Ricky Carmichael SX amateur motocross one. And they'll change the track that night for us. And we wake up in the morning and it's a, and it's a mud disaster. So we're actually just trying to hope to get a track that we can race on, you know, decently and not be just full on mudder. But after the race, I approached Tim Carter. I'm like, Hey man, like, uh, I know they're dealt a tough card with the rain, but I don't think the track would have been very good if, even if it was dry, but they changed, they changed their track builder this year. Um, but maybe they have to follow the rules of somebody else, you know, too. There's probably a lot of politics that go along with it. Well, yeah, go back to the old guy. Cause, cause I remember I got the year I got to go. It was pretty technical. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I just, yeah. I were you there when the, go ahead there when they had, were you, were you there when they had the whip section before the finish line? Yes. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was, uh, a pretty technical track that year. It, the year I was there, it was, it was a, an A level track. It was, it was, you had to have skill. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no and, Lot, lots of chains from there from, to what we raced uh, yesterday. You know, I remember uh, not to get off track, but I remember when we would tell Lori at Glen Helen, you know, there's no, there's nothing out here that we can't do. Why don't you let us ride the national track? Well, the quad amateur guys can't make it up the hill. Yes, they can. Mm-hmm. Well, in the dry, there's no issue. If it rains, okay, that's a whole different world. But yeah. when it's dry, just let us ride. You know, yeah. and that she learned that we're going to do what's in front of us, and it's okay. Yeah. I mean, like for me being a rider, I would want to hit that hill and every time I go there and race. Yep. You know, and I feel like you don't, you don't find out until you try, but I see that I see like I'm a track owner, but I'm not a, I guess, public track owner. So I don't know, like they're, they're worried of like somebody going three quarters of the way up it and then getting stuck or something. The liability of, you know, uh, an amateur rider doing something that a pro yeah, and I get pro sections and amateur sections. I totally get that. You just have yeah. to, you just have to figure that out. And oh, everybody yeah. that goes and races in Daytona is a higher caliber, anyways. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go up that hill, give them a bigger run to get up it. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, and you can set up the whoop sections to be a little less technical, but as long as they have them, and as long as you have the jumps that that will wow the crowd that are safe, mm-hmm. cool. you know, big tabletops don't have, they don't have to be gaps. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, uh, that, I mean, yeah, like I, I, I hope that we're like the main show, but I know we're not, we don't have the 20 classes of vintage dirt bikes. You know, like if we had an all quad day, like I think we'd fill those classes like these days. Um, but their they changed their their direction to go vintage, which I think if they had a an ATV national where all the classes would race there, yeah, you'd fill it up. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely across the planet to race there. Yeah, no, it's 
very cool place to race. Um, you know, there's actually nothing like waking up in that, that morning in the stadium, it's still dark and you, you just look up and you see the big grandstands and the lights on the track. Like, you know, it's, it's like, wow, pretty cool. Oh, I bet it is. I bet it is. Yeah. As you rolled through the weekend, what were your feelings, you know, after your heat race and the qualifying, how were you feeling getting ready for the main? Uh, really good vibes actually like ripped a whole shot, but here, here we'll step back for a second. We go into that heat race and the WMX is on the line and the starting gate breaks. So they're sitting there trying to figure this out for like 15, 20 minutes. And they are like, all right, we need to either bring in, get another part to fix this thing, or we're going to, they actually decided to just do a flag start for the whole shot. So I was like, all right, like we'll get these heat races going. We'll get a gate for the main. So we got, I got the whole shot in the, in the, in the heat race, let it from start to finish felt great on the machine. Um, and we go, we go into the main and it's a pretty long, like it's about a three hour wait till we get back on the track and we go into the main and, uh, they still don't have the gate fixed. So we do a flag start for the, for the main as well. Wow. Did, did <laughs> you get to watch any of the other guys in the class, uh, when you were qualifying or, or the heat race? Uh, no, uh, I didn't make it out just because it, it was raining and I was debriefing, you know, with my, with my team after our race, but, um, you know, like it would have been good to go out and see, but I mean, you could tell that it was a whole shot style track. Like it wasn't going to be much action going on, like past the start, just going to be very difficult to, to make, uh, make moves when the track was drier earlier in the day, would it have been easier to pass? Um, it could have been, it definitely could have been easier. Like I think because um, the way the lines were working, like there were, everybody's taking like the driest line and not shying into like the wetter stuff. But like, I, I believe that it towards the end of the day, like if it would have stayed dry, that we would have been able to move around more and make the track wider where it was so narrow at the, at that moment. No offense to the amateurs. That's when you needed a bunch of amateurs out there to widen the track out. Oh yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> it's kind of like, it's kind of like a practice day. Like you get, you go out on a practice day and the track is so wide because people aren't so worried about just pounding the fastest lap. But when everybody's racing, it's everybody goes the fastest way around the track. It is what they, what they think it is, you know, <laughs> did they groove that turn after the start finish line at all? Because it looked rutted at some points and then looked like they tried to smooth it out. Yeah. Like that was a spot that was holding a lot of water right there. Mm -hmm. And uh, like before our main event, they went through there and they, they kind of just back drug it. So like when they back drag mud, it just kind of makes that about three inch layer of just mud. junk on top of it. Yep. And that's what we had to go through in the whole shot. And, um, that really caught me out because I was like on the outside on the edge of the track and it just grabbed me and pulled me right off the track. And then for, for one, I couldn't see anything. 
because I've been roosted and I grabbed the tear off. Uh, I was off the track already and I was grabbing for a tear off and I'm going back on the track and all of a sudden uh, here, like I, I figured that everybody is already gone and here comes Cody Ford like late coming through and I just ended up tagging him like, mm-hmm. and like for me, I, I couldn't, didn't even expect him or even see him. Uh, I was, I was actually worried about getting stuck because there's so much mud and water along the track that I was just trying to get on the track as quick as I could. And, um, I don't know if, I don't think I stalled it right there, but I, it like, I had to like, I stopped and I like had to go, I like adjusted something on my bars and then I took off again. So you were dead last. Did Cody pass you right there? Yeah, he passed me right there, but I can't, I can't, I can't remember if like I got him right back like quickly or, or what happened, but yeah, I was dead last there at one point for sure. When I, when I tuned in for the few minutes that I got to, to, to watch, you were in 14th. Yeah. And, and yeah. it took you two laps to get out of 14th. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like coming up on these guys, like it took about half the race to, for the track to actually get like beat rough, rough enough to like make a bad line better than the main line. And the bad, the bad line was actually sharing a line with the good line. Like I was like the one spot that I was making a lot of passes was through the chicane. And, uh, I was actually just kind of straddling the rut of the inside of the outside tire. And when I first started making passes there, I was like, I was passing guys that they weren't up to my speed, like really that close. So I would like breeze by them. But when I would, further and further up the field that I got, it wasn't a breeze by, it was kind of like a, like a, you know, they didn't want to let your butt, clinch, well, clinch your butt cheeks and like hope that it, it you don't make contact. Cause if I, if I make contact with them, I am going to be climbing this big inside barrier of the track and probably getting stuck or flipped over right on it. Uh-huh. Wow. So, yeah. But it was like, all in all, like, um, it all goes back to the starting, the starting gate. And, um, my choice was to start near ne- next to the, like the dog house, which had an awesome groove going out of it. Like best looking like line on the, on the gate, but it was putting me a little bit like outside of where I would have chose if it was a dry, a dry start. So I went with the condition of the, the, of the start than the position, which on my parade lap, I ruined that by like jumping out of the gate and getting outside of that groove and throwing a bunch of mud on top of that good groove. And from there I was like, it's going to be really difficult to get out of the start to in a good position. But, you know, I made that decision and I tried to make the most of it. I was, I would say I was probably into that first turn around fifth, but they're just, it just wasn't, uh, wasn't quite clean enough for me to hang that edge of the track and stay on it. Wow. During the race, did you keep track of where Brandon and Joel were at all? 
No. Um, like they were so far ahead that I didn't know that even Brandon was in the lead because I guess I was so like, so all right, here's this. So I, I came out of that start and I pulled a tear off and then I went to grab another one and I grabbed, I grabbed really quick and I grabbed the whole stack and pulled it, pulled the whole stack. Uh-huh. So I went, I went about, went about five, six laps with no tear offs. And then I had to ditch my goggles after that. And because it was getting so bad that I wasn't seeing bumps and they were like catching me off guard and nearly making me go down. So my only option was to ditch them. And like, I was very worried about that because one line around the track and you're following the guy, like his grab bar on the track. And I don't know, I just used my visor as much as I could and keep it out of my eyes. And it was a struggle of a main event. Let's just say that. Yeah. And near, near the end of the race, you picked up like three spots. Wasn't it on the last lap? Yeah. It was like the second to last lap I picked up three spots. Like I passed two guys and going into one section, I passed Nick through that chicane that I was passing a bunch of people at. And then I passed Decker at this, um, after that, like you have the grandstands and then that turn that 180 turn, I passed them going into that. Um, I'm another wild thing. Like I'm pretty sure that I'm hundred percent certain. I never touched one rider when I passed them either. That's crazy. Like, in those yeah. conditions, yeah. I was, I, I thought about that today. I'm like, man, I really don't think I touched anybody when I passed them. Did, did you notice anything out of the ordinary during the race? I know, I know that your focus wasn't on what everybody else was doing, but did you notice anything out of the ordinary that, that you thought was odd? Um, just how big of a struggle it was to get around people. Like I, I followed Patrick Trini for, it felt like five, six laps. I was stuck in 11th for like five, six laps. I was like trying, trying to move around just a little bit, just trying to find stuff and everything I tried, like hit the line that everybody else was taking was so much better. And I was like, thought to myself, I'm like, there could be a good chance that I could get stuck here because of how badly it was to try and pass. And I just kept searching and searching and found that one spot that I probably passed uh, three fourths. Like I probably passed like eight, nine people there in that one spot. That's, that's pretty amazing. Well, the race up front was, was a good race. I I believe Brandon could have held him off. Yeah, like watching the replay, like, yeah, Joel would like pressure him every once in a while. But like Brandon at times, like he would get a little bit of a gap from him. And I mean, all, honestly, all he had to do is keep the train on the tracks and there wasn't much room to do anything with it. But yeah, like definitely like in his shoes, like definitely got a feel for the guy because he rode like a great race for over three fourths of the race and then uh have the 
the the mechanical failure at the end and um but i mean he's uh you know he's just he's gonna learn from those uh situations and you know he's he's getting a taste of what it's like to run up front and even that long is a big time like motivation but uh you know they are they are running like a, a very like i wouldn't say like a I mean, they're not a high budget program and they're, they're, it's their first year running this program. So it's, um, going to be learning, learning curve, uh, kind of, uh, it's not, it's not very fun to learn it that way, but at least they know like what, what their, their roof could be like, you know, like it's, uh, it could be, you know, winning races, who knows? You know, I believe that, that with the quality of the guys that are, behind you from third to 10th place at any given moment, one of those guys could surprise you. Oh yeah. I mean, especially in conditions like that, like, uh, I mean, it couldn't, it might, it might not even matter if we were at Daytona, like it could be a mud race or like just the guys yelling with the track and feeling good that day, getting starts. And it, it, we actually need that. We need that very bad in our sport. Yeah. More than, more than one guy has said, you know, a, a two rider show is not a two rider show. You know, yeah. you, need, you need that mix of, of five to eight guys that can win at any given moment, you know? Yeah, we really do. And, uh, you know, it brings you back to like the early two thousands where they're like this, the field was so stacked of, uh, guys that could win on any, any given weekend. And, uh, hopefully we're, we're trending in that direction where guys are stepping up to the, the elite level and really bringing challenges to the top spot. Well, you got Max on the podium this race and you had Restrelli on the podium. Did you see what happened to Ford on the last? Uh, I heard that he hit a, there's pretty gnarly kickers through this one section before the mechanics area. And I seen him take off like out of the ordinary, like from a dead stop. Like I just caught it out of the corner of my eye. And, um, I was told that he just got kicked off the machine right there because you almost got him. Yeah. Like I was very kind of thrown off from that because like I looked ahead after I got past, um, I think I passed in the fifth and we were going in on the last lap and like, I looked, I tried to look ahead and I didn't see anybody. Like it was probably a good, like 10, 15 seconds ahead or so. And I was like, okay, like, I don't see anybody I'm going to push on and see, and maybe something will happen. And it did. And I was like, I started to see somebody and I was like, ah, oh, it could be a lapper, but I was like, no, like I see a number four on the back of the number plate. So I just continue to hammer on. And, uh, I think a couple more laps, obviously that it would have been a little interesting, but, uh, yeah, but it wasn't, I wasn't, uh, able to be done. Did you guys get to ask about how many laps that you run at Daytona? Uh, I was asked and like, I, I really pushed to try and do like, they want to keep it like close to like 15 to 16, 17, 18 minutes. And I asked to do uh, like a 15 plus two at a minimum. And they decided to go with a 15 one. And I would be stoked to go a, our regular pro time moto 
just because we only do one, but, uh, they just change it for that supercross style, I guess. Yeah. That is a bummer. I think 20 minutes plus one or 20 minutes plus two would be, would have been better in that environment. Oh yeah. Especially for how tight the track was. And it's going to be another element for guys to be challenged because the track was, uh, it was challenging, but it wasn't, you had to wear somebody down in order to pass them, I believe. Yeah. And, and I think that with that extra few minutes, cause I don't know what the exact time of the race was. Um, but if you did go 20 minutes, that would have been what four more minutes or three more minutes. That's two yeah. more laps basically for you in that two yeah. more laps. What could have happened? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's definitely, and a lot of things happen when at late in the race, creating heat in the engines and, you know, it's, it can go both ways. It can be your friend or be your enemy. How bad looking at the, your machine and some of the others, as you came off the track, how bad was the mud packed into some of them? Oh, it was stacked pretty bad. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of gut wrenching going back to the truck and like, you just put your machine through a, a war zone of like abuse and you had this beautiful machine going into this race and you bring it back like that. And, uh, it kind of guts me because I'm the guy building it and I know all the work that I put into it. And it's like, it's not ruined, but it's like, man, like I really need to start to take care of my baby on this one. But you know, it's everybody. I mean, I think everybody's machine, like even like Brandon's taking on roots from, you know, lappers, you know, it's like, everybody's machine dragging the ground everywhere in the ruts. It takes, it takes a toll on them. Do do you, is your, is your stallion a machine that you will race in the outdoor or is that specifically built for that environment? Uh, it'll be, it'll be, it'll carry on to the next, um, I'll probably do like two to three more rounds on it, depending on conditions that we have. If we have more rain races then it'll go less but uh yeah i plan to run a couple more rounds obviously our, our setup will will change for the outdoor outdoor rounds but um it'll be the same machine and then you'll change it uh, you know a couple rounds into a to another machine yes yeah you believe that uh, joel has a program similar to that too i'm assuming um i'm sure i'm sure they they uh, run through a couple machines a year. That's it's, it's tough to do it on the same machine the whole way through. Yeah, it definitely is where like for one, you're changing a lot of parts on it throughout the year. So like for amount of ch- parts that you're changing because you're, you can't have the risk of any sort of failures. You ended up, like, it seems like you end up like spending more money changing those parts than it is to like have another machine and like creating revenue off of that, where either you sell it at the end of the year or you rent it to somebody to race it or something like that, you know? So it's, it's, um, just kind of like a, a theory that I always use. And also like, for me, like having backing from Yamaha, like they supply me with machines to race and I need to use those to make sure I don't have failures. Right. Right. Does your motor package change? I mean, do you think that, do you, let let me ask you a broad question and I know you can't answer for everybody else, but do you think the motor packages that everybody runs change for Daytona versus an outdoor? 
Yeah, I think it definitely does because you want you like for how slow, slow speed the, the turns are, you want something that'll kind of be like a little more torquey, not so like revy where you're like, for me personally, like I, I want something that's like, I don't have to ring out. I just kind of carry my momentum around and, uh, keep good roll speed where I'm not like ringing the machine out where like outdoors, we want something that's going to like be a little bit more like revy on the top, but you can ring out on the whole shots and, or like, get that little bit more to get over some of these bigger jumps that we, that we run into. That's that that's logical, you know? So what do you think Texas is going to be like? Uh, I really hope it's dry so we can have a good, good racetrack and good race, but, um, the track there, like it, it, it actually like deteriorates pretty good where I like the way that it gets rough and, challenging in that aspect and usually it's pretty warm going to there but like honestly like i'm just looking forward to like that sandier base like that uh, the track just breaks down a lot more and is it more like riding in florida because it's a sandier base yeah yeah it's definitely more like florida like just having that that feel uh, with contact to the ground, you're kind of floating on it a little bit more and not like, uh, your traction is a little bit less in that, in those conditions, but the ground is moving a lot underneath you. That's cool. That's cool. So how do the points break down leaving Daytona? Honestly, I don't know. Like I, I haven't even added them up. Uh, let's see. I dropped three there, two, two, two. So I might be seven or more down. So maybe you get how much for the main? Uh, see, so like if you, you get 25 to win, I believe 22 and then it drops two two points from there all the way down to like, I think fifth, I believe. And, and did you get heat race points too? No, 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 no points paying for heat races there. So you're fifth in points going into the the second round in the outdoor. Yep. Yes. And, and that's a a rough, rough guess number of seven. Yes. No. Um, is this the first time that you've been in the hole leaving Daytona? Um, I've been in the hole two other times but not this deep. Like, I mean, I guess I'm not very deep, but I'm like, I've left there minus five, maybe five, five points before. And then minus three points. Well, it's going to be an interesting year. And, and uh, I know that that you have a huge fan base following you and a lot of people cheering you on. Same with Joel and a few of the other guys. Every time that I get to talk to somebody, um, we always, always bring it up. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? It's about 50, 50 between you and Joel. Um, the one factor that I don't think that anybody's calculating is there's going to be a dark horse. That's going to come in and win a race. Oh yeah. I mean, I honestly think that there is potential there and 
it's hard saying when it could happen. It could happen next round. Who knows? Um, but like for me, I'm actually kind of excited to be in the hunter, like coming into this next round and having to like dig in and get some points going my way and, uh, see how like Joel takes that pressure of carrying that points lead early on and see if he brings that same intensity, like throughout the rest of the, you know, from that sec, that second gate drop to get second gate drop on and see, see how that goes. It, it is a huge difference in mental aspects of, of where you go at round two, correct? Oh yeah, definitely. And, uh, usually I'm going there like, like leaving Daytona and having a points lead, like you feel good about yourself. Like, yes, you're pushing like in between those rounds, but, uh, it kind of guts you a little bit more when you don't get the, I mean, for me to miss the podium, like, I was actually like pretty happy. Like after the race, like I was okay with, you know, what happened and everything that went on and the way that I rode after I, I got, you know, I was off the track and back on, but, um, honestly, like as the night went on, I started to think more and get hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. So I'm very excited to, uh, put in these next, uh, three weeks and, uh, continue the grind. Um, I always ask this and I'm going to ask it, even though it doesn't pertain to Daytona, how's the diet going for you? You look, you look physically fit. You actually look a little thicker uh, muscle wise than I expected. Yeah. Like it's been, been good. Like I always, I'm learning things constantly about my body and, uh, you know, when to eat things and when not to eat them. And, you know, I, I, I take on like a lot of physical, like I, I, I go to the gym I mean, I'm up at, you know, a quarter to six in the morning, going to the gym and back home, we try to get home before the kids wake up. So I'm, I'm trying to like be time management. Very, very good with that. And like, for me, like I got to keep my strength and also like keep my, my, uh, my fitness, like my cardio as well. And I feel like prior, prior to our season start, I can really dig into that and then kind of maintain it throughout the year. That's, that's awesome. A lot of people that I've talked to really like the fact that, that you changed your diet and went plant-based and, um, you know, I'm an old meat and potatoes guy. So it's intriguing for me because I've seen people do it and it not work. And I've seen people like you do it and it does work. So there is a science behind it and you just have to figure out what's good for you. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely is. And everybody's a little bit different. And like, for me, I feel like it's, uh, added years to my career, you know, going this route, just to, the way I feel. And, um, there's nothing worse waking up, you know, in the morning and not feeling a hundred percent. And when you feel like you should. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Chad, I want to thank you so much for you taking the time. I know that you had a difficult schedule and we fit this in last minute and you don't know how much that means to me that you uh, took the time to, uh, to give us this breakdown of the race. Um, we always want to say congratulations to the guys that got on the podium, uh, Joel and Max and Ristrelli. So th those guys, thanks. And uh, uh, Bryce Ford, who got fourth. Uh, that was a great comeback for you to, to fifth. And, um, it, it was a good race. I mean, it, it was competitive, uh, for what it was, you know, being a one-on-one race like that. 
yeah, I mean, it, it was fun. Like, uh, I think as, as I get older, like I, I understand that like, yes, racing is a big part of my life, but it's not everything when I can go back to, uh, the, the race hauler and my son and my daughter and my family are waiting there. And they're like, uh, my son asked me, Hey Papa, why'd you go off the track? <laughs> I'm like, well, uh, like I'm pretty sure that got sucked off the track from the mud, but it happened so fast. I don't know. And just like that, like it just, you know, it makes me laugh because he's so like innocent he doesn't know like a hundred percent what's going on, but he like, he's like, Hey, why'd you do that? And I'm like, I'll hear, I'll hear that for the next three weeks and go until we go to the next race. And there's something else to talk about. Yeah. Don't go off the track, Papa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's got, good. Good vibes. That's got to bring you back to a totally different center when your children talk to you about racing and you see the bigger picture in their eyes. Oh yeah. No, it, it grounds you for sure. And, um, it's just a, a blessing, you know, to have that. Hey dude, I got, I, I have my two children and then I have my wife's three children. So I have five and, um, they're all grown adults. Um, all of them are younger than you, by the way. And then I have six grandkids. So it's, oh, yeah, you're, you got it going on. Oh, uh, it's pretty awesome, dude. I, I, I have two grandsons that are uh, going to be two and, uh, it's pretty awesome stuff. Gotta love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Nope ready to see him uh, continue to grow. And, uh, when, when, uh, my chapter ends here, I'm going to be really excited to see what that brings. Oh, dude, you have, you have no idea. It's just going to get better and better and better. Yep. You know, gray hair doesn't mean it's over, you know, <laughs> no. No. Hey brother again, thank you so much. And, and why don't you hold on for me? And, uh, this was the Daytona race report with Chad Weenan. Yep. Thanks Leonard. Great. Great talking with you. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org, or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.